and welcome to Season 2 of Kvasir's Corner. My name is Jacob, and as you may have noticed, the show has been on a bit of a hiatus, leading up to the Minnesota Renaissance Fair, and then recovering from the Minnesota Renaissance Fair. We are now all rested and ready to dive back in and talk about some history. I want to take a moment before we continue to thank everyone who came out and supported us at the Viking encampment during our run at the Renaissance Fair. The amount of support we got from you all was awe-inspiring, and it was so much fun getting to see you all out at Fest. It is because of all of you that any of what we do is possible. So thank you, from the bottom of our hearts. If you would like to support the Viking encampment further, please consider supporting us on our Patreon page, and of course by following us on all of our social media accounts. All links can be found in the episode description. And finally, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about this or any of our other podcast episodes, please reach out to us by emailing us at kvasirscornerpod at gmail.com. Now, without any further ado, and after a long time coming, on with the show. More than a thousand years ago, a single Norse cargo ship was floating aimlessly through the dense fog of the North Atlantic. It had been several days since any means of navigation were available to the crew. No sun, no stars, and no creatures to follow to get their bearings. Finally, after days of fog, the sun broke through. The crew raised the sails and continued sailing on their westward course. In a short period, land was sighted on the horizon. The relief of finally seeing land after many long days at sea soon turned to confusion. The land that they were looking for was said to be very mountainous, with great glaciers covering the highest peaks. This land, however, looked nothing of the sort. This land was covered in lush green forests and subtle rolling hills. It was a land teeming with natural resources, rivers full of fish, forests full of game, and, most miraculously of all to the Norse crew, wild growing grapes. This was a land that no one from Europe had ever seen before, yet had been home to hundreds of cultures and civilizations for thousands of years. The next few years would see dozens of Norse men and women come to the shores of this new land, a land that they would soon call Vinland. The exploration of Vinland by the Norse around the turn of the millennium is one of the most important and often neglected historical milestones of all time. To understand the true importance of this event, we have to go back further in time to the very beginning, to the dawn of all humanity. When humankind migrated out of Africa some tens of thousands of years ago, we were all one people, with what can be assumed was a common culture, language, and maybe even a shared belief system. As our earliest ancestors left Africa, they began to spread across the planet, following the animal herds that they hunted for their survival. Some humans followed the herds to Europe and the cold glacial plains of the north. Others spread out east into Asia. Others still went further east, across the land, to North America. These peoples 
Then all began to settle and develop new civilizations and cultures in their new homes throughout thousands of years. While by the time they reconnected in the early 1000s CE, the Norse and the Native Americans did not seem at all to be related, this moment served as a reunion for the long-separated halves of the human family. Humankind had completely covered the planet from east to west and had finally reconnected on the other side. The people involved had no idea what they had accomplished, but they had just finished a thousands-of-year-long journey. On a much smaller scale, the explorations of Vinland were a big deal to the Norse world as well. Specifically, the Norse who had settled the island of Greenland some 15 years before. For the Greenland Norse, Vinland represented much-needed resources to support what archaeologists have found was a very rough and subsistence style of life. For the rest of the Norse world, Vinland served as an exotic side note, a place that was intriguing for its wild grapes, self-sown wheat, and warm climate, but much too far away to consider large-scale settlement or exploration when the world close to home was going through a great deal of change for Norse culture at the time. What can be said with the utmost certainty is that the narrative of Christopher Columbus being the first European to quote-unquote discover America is highly inaccurate. Historians were able to determine with certainty that Norse explorers made it all the way to the shores of modern-day Canada thanks to two very short Icelandic sagas, called the Greenlander's Saga and Eric the Red Saga. Both sagas were written towards the end of the Saga Age, in the mid to late 13th century in Iceland, and they tell the tale of the Eriksson family and their expeditions to Heluland, Markland, and Vinland, to the west of Iceland and Greenland. Sadly, these are the only two major works that discuss Vinland in any depth. There are, however, several small mentions of Vinland in other sources that do confirm that the Norse world, and perhaps even more than that, knew about the existence of Vinland. In his Deeds of the Archbishops of Hamburg, the German monk Adam of Bremen writes of the time he spent in the court of the Danish king Sven Estridsen, around the mid to late period of the 1000s CE. While talking about the geography of the Norse world, King Swain tells Adam of a land far to the west called Vinland, where it was warm and they made a palatable wine from the grapes that grew there. This quick passing mention is actually the oldest written evidence that exists to tell us of the Norse outpost in North America. It is possible that there is also another mention of Vinland in another Icelandic saga from the 12th century. Erbigja saga is an epic tale that is much too expansive to get into today. But at one point in the story, a ship sailing to Iceland from Ireland was blown off course in a storm far to the west. When the storm settled, the crew found themselves in a strange new place that none of them knew. On this mysterious land, they found an elderly Norse man 
who appeared to be in command of the locals there. This mysterious man welcomed the lost crew and began asking them very detailed questions about specific people back in Iceland. While this is also only a minor episode in a much larger saga, and the saga never explicitly calls the land of Vinland, it does match many of the same tropes and features that other depictions of Vinland have in saga narratives. Mentions of Vinland and other lands to the west of Greenland continue in Norse sources long after the Viking Age ended in the late 11th century. These, however, and unfortunately, are little more than recounting a ship that got lost returning from an expedition to Markland in order to collect wood for the Greenland settlements, or a priest who sailed to Vinland to minister to the natives, and was promptly never heard from again. Recently, however, a brand new mention of the western lands was discovered in a very unlikely place, from the unfinished work of an Italian monk. In 2021, historian Paolo Chaisia, and I apologize if my pronunciation of the last name is incorrect, found a document called the Chronica Universalis, written in 1340, by the Milanese friar Galvianus Flamma. In this work, Flamma references a land to the west of Greenland called Markalada, or Markland. The name and brief description clearly match with the saga depictions of Markland. It's likely that Flamma heard of Markland from Genoese merchants who would sail from the Mediterranean Sea to Northern Europe in order to conduct business. However he heard of it, Flamma's reference to Markland is the first mention of what would become the Americas in the Mediterranean area, and this was a full 150 years before Columbus set sail. While the literary evidence is slim, the Greenlander saga and Eric the Red saga can tell us a great deal about the initial exploration of North America by Norse Greenlanders, and were in fact used by explorers and archaeologists in the 1960s in order to find the most substantial evidence of Norse settlement in North America. In 1968, Helge Ingstad, along with his wife Anne, used the locations and land descriptions in the sagas to find remains of a small Norse settlement at the northern tip of Newfoundland Island on the east coast of Canada. The site, which is called the Lanza Meadows site, consists of three turf buildings, all of Norse architecture, and a spattering of leftover artifacts, such as a small Norse cloak pin. There has also been evidence of blacksmithing at the Lanza Meadows site, which leads modern historians to believe this site served as a ship repair station where Norse explorers could patch up their ships after exploring the coasts of Vinland. Now, the Lands of Meadows find was a major advancement in the study of the Norse in North America and is a fascinating site that can still be visited today. However, the site is also the cause of some fierce debates. While it is true that the Ingstads who found the site used the sagas themselves as their guide, some of the descriptions on Vinland from the sagas don't match the location of the Lanzometto site. What exactly do the sagas say that would cause such a definitive archaeological find to be called into question? Well, you'll just have to stay tuned to find out 
As next time on Kvasir's Corner, we delve into the sagas to see what mysteries they may still hold. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Kvasir's Corner.